Section 11 of The Analysis of Mind. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Analysis of Mind by Bertrand Russell. Section 11. Memory. Part 2. A second point is that when we recognize something, it was not in fact the very same thing, but only something similar, that we experienced on a former occasion. Suppose the object in question is a friend's face. A person's face is always changing, and is not exactly the same on any two occasions. Common sense treats it as one face with varying expressions, but the varying expressions actually exist each at its proper time, while the one face is merely a logical construction. We regard two objects as the same, for common sense purposes, when the reaction they call for is practically the same. Two visual appearances, to both of which it is appropriate to say, Hello, Jones! are treated as appearances of one identical object, namely Jones. The name Jones is applicable to both, and it is only reflection that shows us that many diverse particulars are collected together to form the meaning of the name Jones. What we see on any one occasion is not the whole series of particulars that make up Jones, but only one of them, or a few in quick succession. On another occasion we see another member of the series, but it is sufficiently similar to count as the same from the standpoint of common sense. Accordingly, when we judge, I have seen this before, we judge falsely if this is taken as applying to the actual constituent of the world that we are seeing at the moment. The word this must be interpreted vaguely so as to include anything sufficiently like what we are seeing at the moment. Here again we shall find a similar point as regards true memory, and in connection with true memory we will consider the point again. It is sometimes suggested, by those who favor behaviorist views, that recognition consists in behaving in the same way when a stimulus is repeated as we behaved on the first occasion when it occurred. This seems to be the exact opposite of the truth. The essence of recognition is in the difference between a repeated stimulus and a new one. On the first occasion there is no recognition. On the second occasion there is. In fact, recognition is another instance of the peculiarity of causal laws in psychology, namely, that the causal unit is not a single event, but two or more events. Habit is the great instance of this, but recognition is another. A stimulus occurring once has a certain effect. Occurring twice, it has the further effect of recognition. Thus. The phenomenon of recognition has as its cause the two occasions when the stimulus has occurred. Either alone is insufficient. This complexity of causes in psychology might be connected with Bergson's arguments against repetition in the mental world. It does not prove that there are no causal laws in psychology, as Bergson suggests, but it does prove that the causal laws of psychology are prima facie very different from those of physics. 
on the possibility of explaining away the difference as due to the peculiarities of nervous tissue i have spoken before but this possibility must not be forgotten if we are tempted to draw unwarranted metaphysical deductions true memory which we must now endeavor to understand consists of knowledge of past events but not of all such knowledge some knowledge of past events for example what we learn through reading history is on a par with the knowledge we can acquire concerning the future it is obtained by inference not so to speak spontaneously there is a similar distinction in our knowledge of the present some of it is obtained through the senses some in more indirect ways i know that there are at this moment a number of people in the streets of new york but i do not know this in the immediate way in which i know of the people whom i see by looking out of my window it is not easy to state precisely wherein the difference between these two sorts of knowledge consists but it is easy to feel the difference for the moment i shall not stop to analyze it but shall content myself with saying that in this respect memory resembles the knowledge derived from the senses it is immediate not inferred not abstract it differs from perception mainly by being referred to the past in regard to memory as throughout the analysis of knowledge there are two very distinct problems namely one as to the nature of the present occurrence in knowing two as to the relation of this occurrence to what is known when we remember the knowing is now while what is known is in the past our two questions are in the case of memory one what is the present occurrence when we remember two what is the relation of this present occurrence to the past event which is remembered of these two questions only the first concerns the psychologist the second belongs to the theory of knowledge at the same time if we accept the vague datum with which we began to the effect that in some sense there is knowledge of the past we shall have to find if we can such an account of the present occurrence in remembering as will make it not impossible for remembering to give us knowledge of the past for the present however we shall do well to forget the problems concerning theory of knowledge and concentrate upon the purely psychological problem of memory between memory image and sensation there is an intermediate experience concerning the immediate past for example a sound that we have just heard is present to us in a way which differs both from the sensation while we are hearing the sound and from the memory image of something heard days or weeks ago james states that it is this way of apprehending the immediate past that is the original of our experience of pastness from whence we get the meaning of the term everyone knows the experience of noticing say that the clock has been striking when we did not notice it while it was striking and when we hear a remark spoken we are conscious of the earlier words while the later ones are being uttered and this retention feels different from recollection of something definitely past a sensation fades gradually passing by continuous gradations to the status of an image this retention of the immediate past in a condition intermediate between sensation and image may be called immediate memory everything belonging to it is included with sensation in what is called the specious present 
the specious present includes elements at all stages on the journey from sensation to image it is this fact that enables us to apprehend such things as movements or the order of the words in a spoken sentence succession can occur within the specious present of which we can distinguish some parts as earlier and others as later it is to be supposed that the earliest parts are those that have faded most from their original force while the latest parts are those that retain their full sensational character at the beginning of a stimulus we have a sensation then a gradual transition and at the end an image sensations while they are fading are called acoluthic sensations when the process of fading is completed which happens very quickly we arrive at the image which is capable of being revived on subsequent occasions with very little change true memory as opposed to immediate memory applies only to events sufficiently distant to have come to an end of the period of fading such events if they are represented by anything present can only be represented by images not by those intermediate stages between sensations and images which occur during the period of fading immediate memory is important both because it provides experience of succession and because it bridges the gulf between sensations and the images which are their copies but it is now time to resume the consideration of true memory suppose you ask me what i ate for breakfast this morning suppose further that i have not thought about my breakfast in the meantime and that i did not while i was eating it put into words what it consisted of in this case my recollection will be true memory not habit memory the process of remembering will consist of calling up images of my breakfast which will come to me with a feeling of belief such as distinguishes memory images from mere imagination images or sometimes words may come without the intermediary of images but in this case equally the feeling of belief is essential let us omit from our consideration for the present the memories in which words replace images these are always i think really habit memories the memories that use images being the typical true memories memory images and imagination images do not differ in their intrinsic qualities so far as we can discover they differ by the fact that the images that constitute memories unlike those that constitute imagination are accompanied by a feeling of belief which may be expressed in the words this happened the mere occurrence of images without this feeling of belief constitutes imagination it is the element of belief that is the distinctive thing in memory there are if i am not mistaken at least three different kinds of belief feeling which we may call respectively memory expectation and bare assent in what i call bare assent there is no time element in the feeling of belief though there may be in the content of what is believed if i believe that caesar landed in britain in b c fifty five the time determination lies not in the feeling of belief but in what is believed 
i do not remember the occurrence but have the same feeling towards it as towards the announcement of an eclipse next year but when i have seen a flash of lightning and am waiting for the thunder i have a belief feeling analogous to memory except that it refers to the future i have an image of thunder combined with a feeling which may be expressed in the words this will happen so in memory the pastness lies not in the content of what is believed but in the nature of the belief feeling i might have just the same images and expect their realization i might entertain them without any belief as in reading a novel or i might entertain them together with a time determination and give bare assent as in reading history i shall return to this subject in a later lecture when we come to the analysis of belief for the present i wish to make it clear that a certain special kind of belief is the distinctive characteristic of memory the problem as to whether memory can be explained as habit or association requires to be considered afresh in connection with the causes of our remembering something let us take again the case of my being asked what i had for breakfast this morning in this case the question leads to my setting to work to recollect it is a little strange that the question should instruct me as to what it is that i am to recall this has to do with understanding words which will be the topic of the next lecture but something must be said about it now our understanding of the words breakfast this morning is a habit in spite of the fact that on each fresh day they point to a different occasion this morning does not whenever it is used mean the same thing as john or st paul's does it means a different period of time on each different day it follows that the habit which constitutes our understanding of the words this morning is not the habit of associating the words with a fixed object but the habit of associating them with something having a fixed time relation to our present this morning has to-day the same time relation to my present that yesterday morning had yesterday in order to understand the phrase this morning it is necessary that we should have a way of feeling time intervals and that this feeling should give what is constant in the meaning of the words this morning this appreciation of time intervals is however obviously a product of memory not a presupposition of it it will be better therefore if we wish to analyze the causation of memory by something not presupposing memory to take some other instance than that of a question about this morning let us take the case of coming into a familiar room where something has been changed say a new picture hung on the wall we may at first have only a sense that something is unfamiliar but presently we shall remember and say that picture was not on the wall before in order to make the case definite we will suppose that we were only in the room on one former occasion in this case it seems fairly clear what happens the other objects in the room are associated through the former occasion with a blank space of wall where now there is a picture they call up an image of a blank wall which clashes with perception of the picture 
the image is associated with the belief feeling which we found to be distinctive of memory since it can neither be abolished nor harmonized with perception if the room had remained unchanged we might have had only the feeling of familiarity without the definite remembering it is the change that drives us from the present to memory of the past we may generalize this instance so as to cover the causes of many memories some present feature of the environment is associated through past experiences with something now absent this absent something comes before us as an image and is contrasted with present sensation in cases of this sort habit or association explains why the present feature of the environment brings up the memory image but it does not explain the memory belief perhaps a more complete analysis could explain the memory belief also on lines of association and habit but the causes of beliefs are obscure and we cannot investigate them yet for the present we must content ourselves with the fact that the memory image can be explained by habit as regards the memory belief we must at least provisionally accept bergson's view that it cannot be brought under the head of habit at any rate when it first occurs i e when we remember something we never remembered before we must now consider somewhat more closely the content of a memory belief the memory belief confers upon the memory image something which we may call meaning it makes us feel that the image points to an object which existed in the past in order to deal with this topic we must consider the verbal expression of the memory belief we might be tempted to put the memory belief into the words something like this image occurred but such words would be very far from an accurate translation of the simplest kind of memory belief something like this image is a very complicated conception in the simplest kind of memory we are not aware of the difference between an image and the sensation which it copies which may be called its prototype when the image is before us we judge rather this occurred the image is not distinguished from the object which existed in the past the word this covers both and enables us to have a memory belief which does not introduce the complicated notion something like this it might be objected that if we judge this occurred when in fact this is a present image we judge falsely and the memory belief so interpreted becomes deceptive this however would be a mistake produced by attempting to give to words a precision which they do not possess when used by unsophisticated people it is true that the image is not absolutely identical with its prototype and if the word this meant the image to the exclusion of everything else the judgment this occurred would be false but identity is a precise conception and no word in ordinary speech stands for anything precise ordinary speech does not distinguish between identity and close similarity a word always applies not only to one particular but to a group of associated particulars which are not recognized as multiple in common thought or speech thus primitive memory when it judges that this occurred is vague but not false 
vague identity which is really close similarity has been a source of many of the confusions by which philosophy has lived of a vague subject such as a this which is both an image and its prototype contradictory predicates are true simultaneously this existed and does not exist since it is a thing remembered but also this exists and did not exist since it is a present image hence bergson's interpenetration of the present by the past hegelian continuity and identity in diversity and a host of other notions which are thought to be profound because they are obscure and confused the contradictions resulting from confounding image and prototype in memory force us to precision but when we become precise our remembering becomes different from that of ordinary life and if we forget this we shall go wrong in the analysis of ordinary memory vagueness and accuracy are important notions which it is very necessary to understand both are a matter of degree all thinking is vague to some extent and complete accuracy is a theoretical ideal not practically attainable to understand what is meant by accuracy it will be well to consider first instruments of measurement such as a balance or a thermometer these are said to be accurate when they give different results for very slightly different stimuli a clinical thermometer is accurate when it enables us to detect very slight differences in the temperature of the blood we may say generally that an instrument is accurate in proportion as it reacts differently to very slightly different stimuli when a small difference of stimulus produces a great difference of reaction the instrument is accurate in the contrary case it is not exactly the same thing applies in defining accuracy of thought or perception a musician will respond differently to very minute differences in playing which would be quite imperceptible to the ordinary mortal a negro can see the difference between one negro and another one is his friend another his enemy but to us such different responses are impossible we can merely apply the word negro indiscriminately accuracy of response in regard to any particular kind of stimulus is improved by practice understanding a language is a case in point few frenchmen can hear any difference between the sounds hall and hole which produce quite different impressions upon us the two statements the hall is full of water and the hole is full of water call for different responses and a hearing which cannot distinguish between them is inaccurate or vague in this respect precision and vagueness in thought as in perception depend upon the degree of difference between responses to more or less similar stimuli in the case of thought the response does not follow immediately upon the sensational stimulus but that makes no difference as regards our present question thus to revert to memory a memory is vague when it is appropriate to many different occurrences for instance i met a man is vague since any man would verify it a memory is precise when the occurrences that would verify it are narrowly circumscribed for instance i met jones is precise as compared to i met a man 
a memory is accurate when it is both precise and true i e in the above instance if it was jones i met it is precise even if it is false provided some very definite occurrence would have been required to make it true it follows from what has been said that a vague thought has more likelihood of being true than a precise one to try and hit an object with a vague thought is like trying to hit the bull's-eye with a lump of putty when the putty reaches the target it flattens out all over it and probably covers the bull's-eye along with the rest to try and hit an object with a precise thought is like trying to hit the bull's-eye with a bullet the advantage of the precise thought is that it distinguishes between the bull's-eye and the rest of the target for example if the whole target is represented by the fungus family and the bull's-eye by mushrooms a vague thought which can only hit the target as a whole is not much use from a culinary point of view and when i merely remember that i met a man my memory may be very inadequate to my practical requirements since it may make a great difference whether i met brown or jones the memory i met jones is relatively precise it is accurate if i met jones inaccurate if i met brown but precise in either case as against the mere recollection that i met a man the distinction between accuracy and precision is however not fundamental we may omit precision from our thoughts and confine ourselves to the distinction between accuracy and vagueness we may then set up the following definitions an instrument is reliable with respect to a given set of stimuli when to stimuli which are not relevantly different it gives always responses which are not relatively different an instrument is a measure of a set of stimuli which are serially ordered when its responses in all cases where they are relevantly different are arranged in a series in the same order the degree of accuracy of an instrument which is a reliable measurer is the ratio of the difference of response to the difference of stimulus in cases where the difference of stimulus is small that is to say if a small difference of stimulus produces a great difference of response the instrument is very accurate in the contrary sense very inaccurate a mental response is called vague in proportion to its lack of accuracy or rather precision these definitions will be found useful not only in the case of memory but in almost all questions concerned with knowledge it should be observed that vague beliefs so far from being necessarily false have a better chance of truth than precise ones though their truth is less valuable than that of precise beliefs since they do not distinguish between occurrences which may differ in important ways the whole of the above discussion of vagueness and accuracy was occasioned by the attempt to interpret the word this when we judge in verbal memory that this occurred the word this in such a judgment is a vague word equally applicable to the present memory image and to the past occurrence which is its prototype a vague word is not to be identified with a general word though in practice the distinction may often be blurred a word is general when it is understood to be applicable to a number of different objects in virtue of some common property 
a word is vague when it is in fact applicable to a number of different objects because in virtue of some common property they have not appeared to the person using the word to be distinct i emphatically do not mean that he has judged them to be identical but merely that he has made the same response to them all and has not judged them to be different we may compare a vague word to a jelly and a general word to a heap of shot vague words precede judgments of identity and difference both general and particular words are subsequent to such judgments the word this in the primitive memory belief is a vague word not a general word it covers both the image and its prototype because the two are not distinguished but we have not yet finished our analysis of the memory belief the tense in the belief that this occurred is provided by the nature of the belief feeling involved in memory the word this as we have seen has a vagueness which we have tried to describe but we must still ask what we mean by occurred the image is in one sense occurring now and therefore we must find some other sense in which the past event occurred but the image does not occur there are two distinct questions to be asked one what causes us to say that a thing occurs two what are we feeling when we say this as to the first question in the crude use of the word which is what concerns us memory images would not be said to occur they would not be noticed in themselves but merely used as signs of the past event images are merely imaginary they have not in crude thought the sort of reality that belongs to outside bodies roughly speaking real things would be those that can cause sensations those that have correlations of the sort that constitute physical objects a thing is said to be real or to occur when it fits into a context of such correlations the prototype of our memory image did fit into a physical context while our memory image does not this causes us to feel that the prototype was real while the image is imaginary but the answer to our second question namely as to what we are feeling when we say a thing occurs or is real must be somewhat different we do not unless we are unusually reflective think about the presence or absence of correlations we merely have different feelings which intellectualized may be represented as expectations of the presence or absence of correlations a thing which feels real inspires us with hopes or fears expectations or curiosities which are wholly absent when a thing feels imaginary the feeling of reality is a feeling akin to respect it belongs primarily to whatever can do things to us without our voluntary cooperation this feeling of reality related to the memory image and referred to the past by the specific kind of belief feeling that is characteristic of memory seems to be what constitutes the act of remembering in its pure form we may now summarize our analysis of pure memory memory demands a an image b a belief in past experience the belief may be expressed in the words this existed 
the belief like every other may be analyzed into one the believing two what is believed the believing is a specific feeling or sensation or complex of sensations different from expectation or bare assent in a way that makes the belief refer to the past the reference to the past lies in the belief feeling not in the content believed there is a relation between the belief feeling and the content making the belief feeling refer to the content and expressed by saying that the content is what is believed the content believed may or may not be expressed in words let us take first the case when it is not in that case if we are merely remembering that something of which we now have an image occurred the content consists of a the image b the feeling analogous to respect which we translate by saying that something is real as opposed to imaginary c a relationship between the image and the feeling of reality of the sort expressed when we say that the feeling refers to the image this content does not contain in itself any time determination the time determination lies in the nature of the belief feeling which is that called remembering or better recollecting it is only subsequent reflection upon this reference to the past that makes us realize the distinction between the image and the event recollected when we have made this distinction we can say that the image means the past event the content expressed in words is best represented by the words the existence of this since these words do not involve tense which belongs to the belief feeling not to the content here this is a vague term covering the memory image and anything very like it including its prototype existence expresses the feeling of a reality aroused primarily by whatever can have effects upon us without our voluntary cooperation the word of in the phrase the existence of this represents the relation which subsists between the feeling of reality and the this this analysis of memory is probably extremely faulty but i do not know how to improve it note when speaking of a feeling of belief i use the word feeling in a popular sense to cover a sensation or an image or a complex of sensations or images or both i use this word because i do not wish to commit myself to any special analysis of the belief feeling end of section eleven memory part two read for you by ted delorme